Hey, what's up, podcast listeners? Thank you so much for tuning in to a new episode. Um, this one is a conversation with uh, Uncle Craig Cromlin. So imagine yourself uh, in a fireside chat. An elder sits in a big fluffy chair, and you're just listening in um, to uh, what this particular elder has to share. Um, Uncle Craig Cromlin is one of those uh, people that you definitely just want to shut up and listen to. Um, uh, something that he um, that what very much resonated through the entire conversation is that um, your current circumstances uh, do not need to determine where you finish. It only it merely only says where you start. And um, if you listen carefully through this whole conversation, you see that um, um, yeah how how it comes to comes to life in a way. Um, he often talks to um, yeah communities uh, individuals um, that and helps them um, either they've hit rock bottom or um, that they um, uh, need need some help because um, he has been in a position of yeah where you need help and he is also has been in a position where he hit rock bottom um, so he knows what it's like he has the mileage to know. Um, um, so, um, 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 yeah. So, so that, that's a little bit of a, a intro into the conversation with uh, Uncle Craig Cromlin, um, and and again, um, listen carefully uh, because one of his life lessons, um, or something that an elder once told him, is the best thing you can do is just to shut up and listen, um, and that particular piece of advice helps him to this day. Um, so right now, I'm going to shut up and have you listen to Uncle Craig Cromlin. Enjoy. This is the Gomaluku Podcast. Yeah, good to see you again. It's uh, been a while. <laughs> it is. And um, apart from this, my brother, you you probably won't see me uh, uh, working around over there in, in the UN. Busy? Uh, I just, I've decided to go down a different path. Mm, okay. Um, for various reasons, and um, um, yeah, I, you know, um, I'm not getting any younger. I'm not an old man by any stretch of the imagination, but I just figured that if I don't do something with my life now different and utilize that knowledge and skill that I've gained in my 12 years of being a counselor for New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council. Mm-hmm then nothing's really going to change for me. So right. I just figured now's a chance to do it. Um, I just, you know, that job I walked away from is a $130,000 job. Um, I, I mean, it wasn't mine, it's guaranteed. It meant that I had to um, contend the, the elections. And they were um, four-year election cycles. But I'd been elected once, re-elected twice. Spent 12 years there, um, learned a hell of a lot, sacrificed a hell of a lot, mm-hmm. um, and enjoyed a hell of a lot. Yeah. Um, and the, the great thing, I got to meet people like yourself, Ghazali, and yeah. other commun- other people in, in, in New South Wales, certainly in other parts of New S- Australia, uh, but also, you know, um, other Indigenous peoples that we got to interact with at the UN 
um, all striving for roughly the same thing, mm-hmm. um, albeit uh, unique to our each circumstances. Um, yeah, so it's been a, a good journey. I want to make sure that I control that process if I can. And mm. um, so uh, I'm working for uh, a, a local Aboriginal land council, which is so that we've got a two-tiered structure. You've got the state-based um, uh, organisation, which is New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council, and then we've got 120 local Aboriginal land councils. This is what you would call grassroots. Um, and so I've sort of gone from that top-tier structure uh, back to grassroots, and the view from down here is very different to what I used to have up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the access to uh, um, facilities, funds, wasn't an issue up at Parham um, with Newswalk. Certainly is a struggle when you're down on the ground and it makes you become a lot more resourceful. Um, Certainly very, um, you look at things very differently. Uh, But thank goodness for that knowledge that I gained while I was there. So it's been good. Right. I'm looking forward to, you know, whatever lies in front of me. Um, And hopefully I'll be able to determine that. Mm -hmm. Albeit, you know, this job is a two-year job. I've had to apply for it. Um, and I had seven interviews. This one was the eighth one, but seven interviews, none of them looked like getting across the line, and I just thought, you know, I'm at that stage in my life where no bastard wants to employ me. <laughs> but um, thankfully, um, I, I, I got this gig, and it's a matter of now of... Um, delivering um, on this particular program. But anyway, let's get on with um, what it was that you would like to talk about. (laughs) Um, um, I think we're off to a very great start, actually. Um, It is like um, the whole reason for me to to do podcasts, one is out of frustration and two is out of legacy, Um, wanting to create a legacy, not not for myself necessarily, but like to document um, the the lessons learned of those that have gone before us, um, the um, the um, so that our next generations can stand on on the shoulders of those that have have have, have done the miles, um, and so that's why I um, this is one part of it. O- other part of it is as well is a certain level of frustration um, that. Um, you know the you you you've been in Geneva and like it's as as fun as it is as good as it is you always get to see the same faces and um, which is a good thing there's continuity however there's um these faces are getting old and mm-hmm. and in terms of in terms of young young people uh, um I'd love to, love to see not 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 young people but new people People, uh, more people from the grassroots. I'd like to for them to know what's going on, and um, um, feel more confident when they're at the grassroots at the at the community level. Um, so, 
you know, that that's why I want I'm, I'm I started the podcast as well as yeah also like during COVID just catching up with people that I look up to uh, like to work with yeah. and um, having just having a have a conversation of whatever you want to talk about um and whatever what, whatever is on your mind lessons learned would you um what yeah I don't know if if you like peanut butter peanut butter jelly sandwiches for example um so it, it can go want to coin a phrase i love peanut butter and jelly sandwich that's well, i used to watch that on sesame street mm, yeah the amazing mumford used to say it so and i never knew what peanut butter and jelly sandwich so we never have jelly we have jam yeah mm. which is the same thing really um actually the reason why you're doing this is the exact reason why I decided to get out and step away from what I was doing for the last 12 years is because of that very fact um, that I believed it was time for me to move on and allow someone else to step in to the role. Because I, um, halfway through my last term, I made it clear to my region, the region that elected me, that I wasn't going to contend the next election. I told them before I told my fellow councillors that I was doing that. Mm. And that was so that there is continuity, that people are stepping into this while the organisation is still functioning and really going well, so that they're stepping into it with a fire in their belly. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I see that... Uh, um, Sometimes you you just got to know when your time is ready to step away. Um, leadership is about stepping forward. But I've mm-hmm. also led over my, you know, 35 years of being involved in politics and mostly uh, local community politics. As much as it, 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 it's about stepping forward, you've got to know when to step back. Which you've got to know when to let everybody. Um, it, it's, it's actually an easier thing than... Um, Mm. And you've got to encourage people all the time to step okay. into it. But um, and, and 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 I've learnt over years because I got into it because people encouraged me. Mm. And I thought, well, if I don't do the same thing, that's how you get good continuity. Um, there's nothing stopping me from maybe putting my hat in the ring again later on if I you know, so desire, but I think that's a step backwards. Um, Doing what I'm doing now, I'm getting far greater satisfaction out of doing it. And I'm a bit like you, uh, Ghazali. I lost my brother, one of my brothers, um, from um, skin cancer, melanoma, took his life uh, some years ago. Mm. Um, And it was at that point in my life then that you question, right now, is this something that I want to keep doing for the rest of my life? It actually questioned, you know, how do I enjoy life? Because he was one year older than I am. I'll be 57 this year. He would have been 58. Um, and it's about, right now, what do you want to get out of the rest of your life? Um, and how do you then share that with other people so that you empower them to, to move forward, but just as importantly, I want to learn more things. I want to learn new things, things that I've never 
had the opportunity or refresh um, the things that I learned when I was 21 years old. Um, and I noticed that when you took a picture of uh, one of your colleagues who recently passed, mm. it actually questions you, make you look at, right, where am I at in this big world and, you know, is this the stuff that I want to keep doing? And, um, and so I get what you said. Um, I saw it straight away. Uh, and I think, well, it's a good time to reflect on it, but also but what is the path that we take forward moving forward? Um, and with you and I, you've got a, a, a great deal of collective knowledge in that process that you've been to the, in the UN. One of the things that we had to do um, as a part of that organisation, which is New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council, was constantly convince people that attending and being at the UN has its value. And it's one of those things that even though you might explain it to them and you tell them what the value is, it's not until you're actually there that people then get it. They then say, now I understand why you've come here because it's not until you experience it, it's not until you're there and you're seeing how powerful being at the UN and you're not making huge strides. You're chipping away at the wall. You're, you're knocking it down brick by brick, so to speak. But you said, you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants. It's those fellows that came before us that knocked a fair portion of that wall down years ago, mm -hmm. and we continue that, and there will be others that will come behind us. And, and so it, it, it's... Um, about exposing it for others to do that. And um, and I was fortunate enough to see a number of people from that organisation, from our Land Rights Network, get exposed to the um, uh, the UN and they came back a different person. It actually inspired them to, to strive even further for human rights, mm -hmm. basic human rights for our, for our mob, the stuff that we've been constantly denied over and it's put a bigger fire in their belly to to want to go out and learn things so um it, 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 it's um been wonderful being able to see that happen and one of them was a, a fellow counselor he said i don't know what the the real benefit and he when he came back he said now i understand mm. and i said well you've got to be here to experience it right i'm sure you've um, seen that many times yourself yeah definitely and it's um you you see people coming in uh with um there's a lot of skepticism and i said it was so first when it first go to the un um and and for good reason too i'm not saying that it is a silver bullet i'm not saying that it is um the uh, um, it, it is going to be solve all your problems. Um, that it has some kind of a magic pill. It's not what I'm saying. Um, but there is a level of empowerment in there. Um, but you, you, you gotta want to see it. You have to want to see it. You gotta want to see it. Um, so when people come in with a lot of skepticism, um, they quickly change. But it also also depends on the environment. Um, yep. And the people in the environment that you move into, the people that you talk to as well, 
Um, you do have, um, I do see people who are coming in and they, they, uh, um, they experience, well, they have, they had a romantic, romantic image of the UN. And, and once that, that bubbles burst, like they, they, they won't come back. And whereas the most important thing of, of, of the work that we do and that you and I have experienced at the UN is, is continuity. You already talked about it. You know, it is, it is keeping coming back and, and, and doing the work. But aside from the work, and maybe why I love it so much is, is, is that you see indigenous peoples from all over the world, um, yeah, um, wanting, wanting to make an impact. And mm -hmm. they, they, they just, they get, you see the, that they're all hungry, hungry to make a change. Um, yep. And which makes people um, do a lot of things, are wanting to do a lot of things, including going to the UN and also, yeah, you already said it. You know, it's chipping away. Like it, it, you, you can't. You won't make any mo monumental changes with one three-minute speech. It is about like middle, making subtle but significant steps forward. And a, so, a little bit of awareness, self-awareness is, is, I think, is is very important um, in, in in there. Um, if you, yeah. Uh, um, if you go to the UN and yeah, that's why I like uh, talking and working with people like yourself. Um, the, you see, but you like to work with people that have a similar work ethic like yourself. Um, I'm not saying that it is, it is, it is the only thing, the only way to go, but it, it, it you can work a lot faster and you, you can, make yeah you know, like stronger changes and and like you, you have a rich history of, of work with with the, the new south wales aboriginal land council but um but your work ethic is something that um i think people uh more people not not just in the pacific oh not not just in the pacific or australia but like in general um should have the opportunity to 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 learn a little bit about um knowing that um work ethic at least in my, in my view trumps everything if you feel you're inexperienced if you you feel you're too young if you um or whatever reason you come up with to talk yourself down um i think work ethic if you develop a or have a strong work ethic, it can trump everything. Like it can keep you going. Like it doesn't matter if you. Um, I started in the movement of, at the UN when I was super young. Um, did not have a a a um, diploma. Um, I was I was in uh, uh, um, yeah I was in high school when when it, when I started going, and I just just. Got my head head down and like, all right, just roll up my sleeves, spit up my hands, and let's go. And that's how I work. That that that's, that's my style, my my work ethic, which works for me. And I also 
which I would love others to um, know about is that um, regardless of if you have a political science diploma or a master's degree in, in international law or whatever, which can be important, which can be helpful, but standing up for your rights does not require a wow. nice piece not of not certificate. Not certificate. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it starts with that fire in the belly, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And, and, and you get that mostly from your people, your community, or your, the circumstances that you're placed under. Yeah. Um, I, I remember when I was a young fellow, probably about 20, 24, 25 years old, um, and I went to a meeting, and I went to the meeting, and I was about to – I asked a few questions. And, um, and little did I know, but I was, uh, uh, I was playing over old ground. Uh, playing over old ground was, you know, a phrase that they use here, which is mean they'd already talked about those things years before. Mm. And I was asking questions around that because I hadn't been exposed to this sort of discussion. The only world that I knew at that time was my community. Um, and anyway, an, an uncle or a relative of mine came over and he said, come here, young fellow, I need to have a yarn with you. He said, now listen. He said, see, all that stuff you ask, all of those questions you ask, they're good questions, but we've already dealt with them, nephew. He said, I'm not rousing on you. I'm not telling you not to ask questions. He said, but what I'm going to suggest to you, you take this on advice. What you do with it is up to you. But I suggest you just listen. Come to this meeting. Just sit back and listen. See where we're up to in our conversation. Um, and then if you think by the end of the day or near the end of the day you've got a question that is relevant to where we are now, ask it by all means. Otherwise, come to the next one with that knowledge under your belt. And, and then if you need to, just sit down and listen again. And, and if you feel confident and comfortable that you've got something that you can offer to the position that we're currently in, then by all means. It's, I'm not trying to put your fire out. It's, I'm just wanting you to understand that sometimes the best thing you can do is just listen. And you know what? To this very day, that is probably one of the best pieces of advice that I could say I've ever received. And I actually looked back and I said, well, uh, on, on that bit of advice, and I said, thanks, son. You know, me saying to myself, thank you for saying that. Um, he's no longer around now, that um, uncle. Uh, but the advice lives on, and I still carry that. And actually I use that when I'm talking to some fellas. When I see them not quite up to speed with, with things, I said, just sit there and learn. You know, we want you to be involved. We're encouraging you to stay involved. But sit and listen. And when you feel comfortable, then step in and ask a question. Mm. And and I said, and don't be afraid because the, the only silly question is the one that you don't ask. And so, um, you know, by all means, we want you to do that. So um, thank goodness for and, – and, you know, my greatest – some of the greatest um, uh, people that I've ever had um, 
the pleasure of meeting and that gave me the best advice and guided me in, 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 in certain directions um, were people, my elders um, from my community and other communities that by their own admission um, didn't um, complete school. In fact, they some of them didn't even go from uh, progress from pro, uh, primary school. They just left school. So they learned everything that they learned in the School of Hard Knocks. The government system for them way back then was very different. And the systems that we have today, they've helped lay that uh, foundation so that we can enjoy better conditions that we have today. Um, and that's the same legacy we've got to leave for our kids is ensure that, you know, my great-grandchildren, and I've got a great-grandchild, uh, uh, two of them now, uh, I'll have um, uh, another two later this year, I'll have four. So the legacy will never stop um, expecting us to leave a better future for our children than the ones that we inherited. That's what our parents did, our grandparents. They ensured that we had a better life and tried to put us on the steerage on the park. So the least we can do is to try and do that. And if we can do that and leave this world, knowing that we've done that, then I think we've done a great thing. Um, but, yeah, so life, you know, it just changes and you've got to um, react to it. And, and, and change accordingly if that's that's what it needs to be. I'm no no longer the the, the person I was. You know, fitness wise, uh, a lot bigger nowadays. <laughs> I I could do a hell of a lot of walking. Um, but yeah, it's um, just a matter of um, being able to pass on that knowledge um, to to the next generation. Um, mm -hmm. And, and hopefully catch him with that fire in the belly. You know, interestingly, um, Ghazali, a part of your questions was there. And it's the same thing that I use. I remember, geez, uh, we're talking about 25, 24 years old. I first got into politics when I was 21. Mm. And I got in there by default more than anything. The people in my community decided not to contest it, they wanted me to run for it. Um, and they would nominate and put me in. And I put my hand up, not because I thought I was best qualified, but because no one else wanted it and I didn't want my community to miss out. And I just simply said, look, I'm happy to hand it over to anyone else that wants to do it before the time being so that we don't miss out. I want to make sure I step into this place so we don't miss any opportunities. Um, and we had an advisor, and he was not an Aboriginal man. He was a, a white fella. He came to our community. Uh, it was a Friday afternoon. Um, I was sitting around having a few drinks with some cousins and a lot of mates. And this, I knew this guy was coming on the Friday. I was thinking, geez, I hope this fella doesn't come now while we're having a few beers. And sure enough, I could see this head walking up the laneway. I think, oh, this is not the man. And he walks up. And then I've seen some of my mates at the back. They're pointing in my direction. 
I said, this man's going to upset my bloody Friday afternoon, my drink with everyone. Tony walks up and he puts out his hand. He says, g'day, Craig. He introduces himself. I said, mate, look, I know who you are. I know why you're here. If you don't mind, um, it's Friday afternoon. I'm having a drink with my family, my relative, my mates. You know, come back on Monday. I'll, we'll have a yarn on Monday. He said, oh, look, he said, first of all, I'm sorry for interrupting. And he said, I hope you're not wild with me. I am a little bit wild, I said. It is this time of the afternoon. I was expecting you earlier. Anyway, but let's just leave it till Monday. And he stopped and he started to think. And I thought, you know what? I think I know what this fellow's going to ask me. And he said to me, he said, Craig, do you have a family? I said, I knew you was going to ask me that. And he said, well, do you? I said, yes, I do. And then he started to think again. I think, oh, but I know what he's going to ask me now. And he said, well, do you want to give him a, be a, a, you know, a better future? I said, I knew you was going to ask me that question. He said, well, do you? I said, absolutely. Of course, that's what, that's what we all want. He said, well, right then. He said, listen, I'll leave that with you. I'll leave you guys alone. Enjoy your drink. In fact, enjoy your week, and I'll see you on Monday. Mm. And anyway, when he and he walked, just walked down the lane, and all of a sudden, because he said one thing, he said, "Family, what's the most important thing to all of us? Family, isn't it? Whether you've got children of your own, or grandchildren, or relatives, or you know, siblings, and your and all your friends." It, he just touched on that. He said, and it lit a fire in my belly that just still burns today. And anyway, I couldn't sleep over the weekend. I'm one of those fellows who thinks about what are the, some of the possibilities that we could do. And when he come around Monday, I said, you bastard, what did you do that for? He said, why? What did I do? I said, man, I couldn't stop thinking about all of these things that we can do. He said, good. He said, you're the right man for the job. I said, I don't know about that, but he said, anyway, and he, he didn't do a thing for us. He said, I'm going to sit you down. I'm going to show you how to run your meetings, show you, give you all the governance, give you the tools. I'm not doing it for you. You're doing it. And um, within his term, he had an option of six months. He said, but I think we can do this in three months, and we did. After three months... Uh, actually, sorry, it was six months. After six months, he said, now you've got an option of bringing in another person to do exactly the same thing, but they will be for six months, or you guys can do it, um, take the bold step and run your own affairs. He said, if you want my opinion, uh, he said, I'm happy to give it to you. And I said, Ronald, what do you think? He said, you can do this. You can make this work. And you don't know how scary... That moment was, but it was also exciting that if we took that step forward, that it was going to be the point where we never looked back. It was, um, and that was going to be the rest of. And everyone that was a part of the committee at the time said, "Yeah, let's do it." Um, and <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> with the support of some people, professionals in town, you know, count and other people that was willing to give us advice, free advice. Um, we managed to make a fist of it and we just, we learned 
probably the greatest thing, and that was about ourselves as as individuals about what was possible. And the only thing that wasn't possible is the things that we weren't bold and courageous enough to have a go at. Mm. Um, and, you know, as you, you, you re- learn through life that you, you make mistakes, but you've got to make sure that that mistake never happens again. Otherwise, it becomes a, a lesson lost. You've got to learn from those lessons. And, and so we managed to do all of those things. Um, and that was grassroots. Now, we, we then managed to just do simple things, getting ourselves out of it. But it was all about starting from the, uh, starting from the ground up. And then we managed to get ourselves up higher. And you, like I said, the most valuable lesson you learn is about yourself, about what is possible. What can you do? What do you want to do? Um, and then once you get exposed to something that just, you know, you, you become like a sponge and it becomes bigger and bigger and uh, you length the amount of knowledge and expertise and skills you learn um, also expands along the way. So, um, and I want to keep doing that. Mm. Um, I want to keep learning uh, things so I can um, show my grandkids, um, my great-grandkids, and show them because I'm doing it, not because I'm telling them this is what you should do. But my example is by, by actually doing it. Uh, and I explain it to them as well, but not just them. It's other people that I come into contact with. And I'm also very open-minded that these and these have always been two of my best teachers, mm. my ears and my eyes. And what allows me to take it all in is this thing here. I just open my heart to all experiences, open my heart to learning from as many people as I uh, I can, such as yourself and other wonderful people that we've come across uh, at the UN and other uh, places that we've been to, for me, in Australia, Mm -hmm. uh, mostly in New South Wales, uh, but other parts of the the world, if indeed we've been to those other parts of the world. Um, And I know you've been to the... You and in both Geneva and uh, and and, and New, uh, New York, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So sorry, I I can ramble on when I I talk. No, I love it. Um, there's so many good lessons, so many lessons in there um, that I think um, that it can help other people get a. Um, I won't say an advantage, but a head start. Um, that in terms of um, yeah, mindset, I believe. And what I would you, well, I'm sorry, I was about to make an assumption, but I'm better to make an, better to ask a question. Um, was because you, you shared about well, this was this was happening when you were 23, 24 years old when you got. Um, jumped into into it uh, was it something that you were expecting to do anyway or was 
in your mind before that? Let, let, let's say childhood, um, um, life, teenage life, early 20s. Did you have anything else in mind or, or were you set to do something else? I, um, so 17, 18, that same year when I turned 18, I actually was in, in another large rural uh, or regional town place called Dubbo. And I was there doing a carpentry course and I wanted to be a carpenter. I wanted to be a builder. Mm. That was going to be my desired outcome. Um, and I went back. And what it taught me is it gave me the freedom to be myself, to be an individual. Um, uh, and you got to understand from where the, the community I came from, I, I was very reliant on my mum. Um, my mum raised me, my two brothers and sister, um, after a, a dad was killed and he was killed when I was two years old. So my mum, who is our inspiration, all of our, all of our children's inspiration, um, she raised us. So I was pretty dependent on whatever she did. She taught me how to cook a little bit, taught me how to iron clothes, but I went to Dubbo and it was the making of me as an individual. I had to learn to make friends. I had to learn to buy my own clothes, cook my own clothes, make my room up, learn to get up to uh, go to work five days a week. I had to learn to be responsible during the weekends and also during the week. Um, and then whilst we were there, we actually learnt um, about how to build a house. We actually built two houses while we were there. Um, and I became this independent man that was no longer reliant on, you know, being around my mates, being around my family, and in particular my mum. I, I just became this independent person, and this independent person wanted to then go out and learn new things. I, I went back home and I got involved in a, a, a just a small uh, program that was doing basic repairs and maintenance to some of the community houses. Now, when I say community, I'm talking about community back then would have been about three or 400 people. That's the size of it. Today, there's only about 80 people that live there, uh, including my ex and my grandchildren that live there. My mum lives there, cousins, nieces, nephews, and a lot of my friends. Um, so that exposed me to that. And I only poked my head in at a, a, a community meeting just to see what was happening. When I poked my head in the door, someone nominated me to be on a committee. I quickly moved away from that, but I did get involved in it. Now, Ghazali, I've, my life experience in being involved in community politics or governance has taught me that I'm of the belief that governance or that path chose me. I didn't choose it. I wanted to do other things. Actually, there was a, a point in my life where I actually wanted I, I wanted to go and study to become a preschool uh, become a preschool um, uh, teacher. Um, but when when I that was about to happen, I had two aunties, both of whom 
were sick at the time, both with cancer. They actually said to me, come here, young fellow, we need to talk to you. Um, and so I went. And, <coughs> excuse me. Um, um, and I went over and I had a conversation with them and they said, look, they said, my nephew, you know we're sick. I said, yeah, I do. And they said, you know I'm, we're dying. I said, yeah, I, I just don't you know, talk about it. We don't want you to go yet now. Well, it's a fact of life. We, we're going to die. But we want you to do one thing. We want you to promise us that when we're gone, we're no longer here, that you will look after this place, look after our place. Because Murren Bridge, where I grew up, is a resettlement community. It was never a community there. People may have gathered on it and moved across it, but the government and their wisdom decided to move some people from um, various places and plonk them into this Aboriginal community, which they call the reserve or a mission. Um, and my mum was eight years old when they first built the houses and moved people there. Um, and my two aunties, so I'm, I'm talking about 90, 92, 93. Um, my aunties, um, no, actually, it was a little bit earlier. It was actually closer to uh, 80, 88, 89. And anyway, they said, we need, we want you to promise that you look after this place. I said, but auntie, I'm only young. You know, I, I want to do things. I want to go somewhere. That's it. You can ask some of these other fellows. There's, there's older people than me. You know, my aunties, uncles, that your nephews and that, you should ask them. They said, no, we want asking you because we trust you. We know that you can make this work. I said, but I've got a young family. You know, I want to I wanna go out and do things. They said, no, trust you. We want you to promise that you look after it. And I said, oh, don't do this. And they said, Promise us. Promise that you look after this place. Make sure it's going to be ours. I said, oh. And I said, okay. Okay. And I did that. I never told anyone. Never told my, my ex. I never told my mum, my siblings, anyone. Never told anyone that I made this promise to them all give. That was my promise to them. Mm. And it just felt like it was uh, a weight around my neck uh, that came with all of this expectation that I thought it would deliver me nowhere. It wouldn't take me anywhere. But I was going to be, you know, just run down. And Anyway, but I made a promise to him. And then uh, my ex-partner's grandmother asked me the same thing. She said, son, Make sure you promise that you look after this place when I'm gone. I said, no, what? Why me? And mm. and they, she said, just promise. I said, okay, yes, I will. Right, on, I will. And so when you make a promise like that, it's you're in it for the long yard, you know. And and I, what I thought was going to be a dead end that would lead me nowhere. It actually took me on this wonderful 
journey, a journey that um, made me the person that I am today. It taught me so much about myself. Mistakes, I've made plenty along the way, but I had a lot of support and people that would pick me up whenever I felt like I was falling down. I said, get on, dust yourself off, boy. Come on, no time to be, you know, falling down now. No, you've got no time to be weak. You've got to be strong. You've got to be doing all that. So it took me on a journey. So the governance of being a chairperson on a local community organisation is not a dead-end path. If you use it for the right reasons, and I got involved for the right reasons, and that right reason was my family. I just wanted to give my family a better future and wanted to make, and then I made that promise to the artists to look after the community. And along the way, geez, you know, just the, the amount of things that we did as a community and people, um, I, I learned so many valuable lessons. And one of them was we was involved in a program that was, um, um, learning about viticulture. Mm. It was an idea, strange idea from an Italian fourth generation grape grower who wanted to introduce us to viticulture purely from a, an educational perspective, um, but not one where we were actually sitting in a classroom because all the fellows that we were doing it with. They were all mature age. They dropped out of school. I was the only one that went, you know, um, and, and oh, there was a couple of others that got their school certificate, but most of them dropped out. They didn't want to be in a classroom. Their training and their education had to be practical, hands-on experience. And we did. We, did. we actually turned that idea of viticulture into a product and we made it uh, the second Indigenous wine in the world, mm. the first and only Aboriginal wine in Australia. We made that. That was our idea. We took a concept and we said, let's let's make this thing work. And along the way, man, we discovered so much about ourselves. Everything that people said we couldn't do, we proved them wrong. Ah, you black fellas, yeah, you, you Aboriginal fellas, you won't make this work. Well, we did. Uh, you black fellas will, you know, drink all the wine. Well, we didn't. We didn't sell it for uh, Aboriginal people, you know, now or even today. We make up 3% of the population. If you designed your business to to 3% of the population, you're mad. No one would go. You wouldn't make any money. So we said, no, we're not making it for us. We're making it for you white fellas. You're the fellas that drink it all. Yeah. What we're going to do is sell this product, but we're not selling wine to you. We're telling a story about our culture, our people, our community. And and it just became this wonderful idea. Unfortunately, to this day it doesn't operate. But was it a success? And I often ask the questions, mainly to government. I said, how do you measure success? What is success to you? Because success to me is a very different concept. Hmm. I measure success in in, in, in different ways. Um, if it shifts you from the mindset that you had, first of all, to where you currently are, that anything is possible, I see that as a success. 
and we took an idea, a concept um, that was outrageous and so, you know, far out that we, it actually started going, uh, uh, getting noticed around the world. Um, and we designed everything. The label was designed by a local artist in our community. Um, and people said, well, are you going to have his name on it? I said, absolutely. I said, but no one else does that. And I said, we're not anyone else. You know, wineries, vineyards, they used to be able to say, we've been in the industry for decades. I said, you know what? We've been around for thousands, hundreds, you know, tens of thousands of years, 40,000 years. So what we've got is culture on our side. Mm. You've only got wine on your side. So we've got a product that you'll never have. We've, and, 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 you know, we, and people said, where do you get that from? I don't know. I just, again, it, the fire in the belly. I have no idea on how to sell wine. I was the, 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 the person that had to go out and promote and sell the wine. And they said, what does it taste like? I said, I don't know. I've never tasted it. I said, you better learn what it tastes like. And so I, I started drinking the wine. I said, hey, this is all right. Mm. And to this very day, that's all I drink. I only drink wine. I don't drink beer, never drunk beer for ages. Mm -hmm. But, you know, anything is possible. And I say to people, you know, um, if you think sitting on a committee on a little organisation, whether it's a land council or a, a medical service or, or a sporting committee, don't think of it as being a noose around your neck. Think of it as being an opportunity or a doorway that can lead you down a path uh, to take you wherever you want to go. But I said, the mindset that you have to adopt is open your eyes, open your ears, open your heart, um, and you you can go wherever you want to. Mm. And it, it, it and that's the thing, the catalyst that's got me, and I never in my wildest dreams, uh, Ghazali, ever thought that as a little Aboriginal boy that grew up on the banks of the Lachlan River um, in my community would have ever got to stand in the United Nations in New York. If you'd have told me when I was 20 that was going to happen, I said, go, get away, yeah. you're mad, that, that won't ever happen. How am I going to do that? Well, you know, little old thing of belief and people guiding you. So I believe my people that have passed on, my spirits, uh, my uh, uh, ancestors have guided me down mm -hmm. this path. Because as much as I, I did not want anything to do with governance, but it's every time I walk, try to get away from it, it keeps inviting me back in. Mm -hmm. Admittedly, I've got to accept it. But, you know, I, I believe that leadership, and I hate uh, admitting it, but um, leadership chooses you as much. As, and all you've got to do is accept that that's something that you want to be involved in. Mm. It chooses you. And I've seen this happen to so many people. The, the fake ones, and you've seen what's happened over in America, that think that they're the leaders, it sorts them out very quickly. Mm. But there are those that are chosen um, and that they're in it for the right reasons. They do it for the right reasons. 
and it takes you down all sorts of different paths. Um, yeah, and you know what? Um, very grateful for that that opportunity. And I, I actually looked at a picture of myself when I was about 21, 22. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there looking at that picture of myself, very skinny, by the way. Um, I'd be lucky to uh, put my arm in the, the trouser leg today. <laughs> <laughs> but I looked at that young fellow, and you know what I said to that young fellow when I looked at him? I said, thank you. And then I did this. This is me. I said, thank you. Thank you for having the courage um, and the conviction um, to follow through. Thank you for putting your family and your community first, and the rewards came as a result of it. And I said, and look what you've done. You've given me so many wonderful opportunities um, along the way. Um, so, you know, it's, it's something that I, I often tell people. I just come from working in a particular community that were, uh, it was a land council, they were under administration, meaning that their governance and their administration failed. Mm. So they had an administrative place over them to you know, fix up their, their systems, get things back in place, hold elections to elect the board, and then go through a process to select the CEO. And I had to go to that community. And the things that I employed, well, let me use a different word, the, the, the tactics and the strategies I utilised to engage with the community are the very things I was told and I learned when I was a 21-year-old. So it come back, come back to, to repay you over and over, but the, the, the process is still the same. Mm-hmm. The how you go about delivering it, um, and 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 they're now, uh, you know, well back on onto their feet, in the process of getting well and truly back on their feet. Um, uh, uh, I mean, I sort of didn't bail out. I applied for this job because that one was only time limited. This one is a little bit more secure. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it was, geez, it was a great. It was great going there. I learned a lot of things just out of it. Um, and everything that I've used in my life, uh, practical experiences that I use as analogies to be able to uh, draw on from time to time. Um, mm. I don't know whether you um, find yourself in that situation or whether it's your teacher. See, I've, I've never been someone who's, who's um I've never been a master of anything, uh, I, 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 but I'm a jack of all trades. You know, I've done carpentry, I've done wood cutting, which is firewood cutting. I've gone and done cotton chipping out in mm-hmm. the fields and, you know, 45 degree plus heat. Uh, I've done landmarking. I've, I've done uh, quite literally when I was a kid, I shoveled shit out of a sewage pit. No one, none of the bigger fellows would do it. I said, I'll jump down, and I did. And I jumped down and quite literally, can you imagine trying to do that shovel shit? It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. And the last thing you're going to try and do is not let it fiddle back down on top of you and you're yeah. shoveling it. Um, so I did it. Um, and I did it because it was for the good of the community. And, yes, there was a bit of 
uh, financial incentive incentive to do it. But I did all of those uh, um, other stuff. I've learned to weld in my time. I've learned to taught myself how to play drums. Um, mm. um, and I still play drums today. Love playing music. And I've also taught myself how to do photography. Um, and I share my photography with all sorts of people. And those, the photography and stuff, I, I, I relate that back to my brother when he passed. Um, and he didn't tell me as much, but two things he, he did before he passed. He demanded we take him outside in the cold um, so he can just observe, to get out of this house that was, you know, uh, heater going constantly. He went outside. It was quite cool. And he just said, what do you want to do? He said, no, just leave me here. And he was looking directly west sunset. We didn't realise it was, and I didn't realise, and I thought, he, but I could see that his eyes were fixed on the sunset. And <clears throat> thought nothing more of it. He went back inside. A couple of days later, he demanded that we take him outside again. And you got to remember, the, uh, you, you not remember, but in, in the house we had to keep the temperature pretty warm for him. Um, so he didn't get a, a coal. If he got a coal, it would have just... Broke down. He's already defeated defences. Mm. Um, but he went outside, and the minute he got outside, a nice fresh breeze hit him, and he just closed his eyes and, you know, just almost immersed, allowed the breeze to immerse him, uh, completely covering him. And, and I thought, well, you know, and, and again, I just observed it. And he just said, right on, I'm ready to go back inside. And it wasn't until after he passed away that I, I, I thought to myself, why? What, what is the significance of him going outside and looking at them? What, what was the reason? What, there must be a reason. And I kept asking, why would he go out? Why would, why would a dying person go and look at a sunset? Why would a dying person want to feel a fresh breeze on your face. Mm. And it was there that, you know, they're the two most basic, simple, everyday things that happen. And yet most of us don't even give it the slightest thought because we think that we're going to be around forever. It's when your life becomes... Uh, very short, all of a sudden, everything that you do every day becomes precious. And it's it wasn't the those expensive or, you know, wow, mind-blowing things. It was life's simple pleasures, like a breeze, like um, uh, sunset. So he didn't tell me. I just realized that his message was, Enjoy life while you can. Mm. Appreciate everything that comes with it while you're still on this earth. Because eventually the day will come when you're no longer here and you'll never get the chance to enjoy it. So part of everything that I've, I'm doing, it's about doing that 
and joiner, but also making sure that along the way, through respect, um, through empathy, um, through sharing of my knowledge and experiences, that I can impart that um, wisdom, I guess, in my experience so that others might be able to choose a path that they want to go down. But really, just enjoy the simple things in life, man. And Mother Nature is beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I take time to do things that other people don't, you know, when I share with my photos, and like a snake. I used to be fearful of snakes. I love them. I think mm -hmm. they're, they're beautiful. I'm very respectful of them, don't worry. Because <laughs> I know one end of them is very deadly, could kill us. Mm -hmm. uh, so I give them, but I'll get out there and I'll capture a beauty of them about the snakes that um, other people just are frightened of them. And I was, I used to have terrible dreams about it. Anyway, right. that's me rambling a little bit. Um, I don't know whether any of that was any useful, Ghazali? In more ways than one. Uh, um, thank, thank you so much for, for sharing. Yes, sharing that wisdom and the stories that um, that are so profound that makes me reflect on a lot of things. And the yeah, you you start to appreciate things when they become finite. Uh, when you see there's an end in sight, um, yep. and unfortunately, only then for most people, only then they start to realize it. And um, yeah, I have a, had a lot of family, I've had a, several family members that passed away um, due to cancer or suddenly my mom passed away all of a sudden uh, a couple of years ago. And now all that, that actually triggered me also to, to think about, all right, what is, a life is fragile. Yep, uh, it is. Absolutely. It is. It's over before you even know it. Like you could die tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You could. Eat, the, the, the 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 funny thing, if you think about it, is that, like, I don't know what the odds are, but somebody said once that the chance of be, the chance of being born in the first place is is one to like a I don't know four hundred trillion trillion. Um. That is all, all already uh, that. So it, it's, yeah, that that, that is uh, um, not a given that that you're that you're alive. That that it's um, it's almost like a, um, I won't say yeah, it's almost like a lottery, but w with very um, slim odds. So if you put that into in perspective, as well as that, it can be over before you even know it. That, and we've seen that happen, haven't we? Mm. Yeah, we've seen that happen—the family and the friends. Which makes me realize that um, conversations like these are super important, but with people in general, just conversations with people are important. Um, it also made me maybe realize or ask the question: How well do I know a person? Um, and because I, I, I know 
like for example, my friends or, or family, how well do I know them? And you know, so it, it's all in that sense, and this is a weird way of saying it, is that the as it started with when my mom when my mom passed away, is that it was also a blessing for me that it made me realize her passing made me made me realize the um how important family is mm -hmm. and how fragile life is yep and what do you do with that information like that which is which is up to you and and that information for me, it was like, all right, I have to step it up now. Because um, um, yeah, there's so many things that I still want to do. And, 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 and not that I really want that. I'm not going too fast. That I miss the, the basics, the fundamentals of it. And, um, going, going for a walk talking to people enjoying the mm -hmm. sun taking a taking a uh taking a deep breath no so sorry i think i'm more intentional now with with, with things yeah. that i do instead of yeah I, i'm not doing things faster i'm more in, intentional with time and it is um yeah, I, I, and I talk about it with, with some people, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about it as well. I, thought, I talk about it to some people, and they say either they agree with me or they roll their eyes. And mostly they roll their eyes because, like, it, 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 they get the feeling of why so morbid? Because um, um, you're young, healthy. Don't have COVID, whatever you know. So like you can just do you do you play rugby and everything else. So uh, no problem. However, um, yeah, like it also made me realize that that but people don't see what you see um, through your eyes and through your experiences. Because uh, not only just what I see, but also what I feel and what I experienced, it made me yeah come to this. Yeah, uh, understanding this, this, um, yeah, I won't kind of call con conclusion because that that's so that's so finite. It's it's, it's, it's so so yeah. Um, yeah, how, how did you like like what is, and obviously, my mom played played a, played a big role in my life. Um, so um, how, yeah, uh, um. What is your mother like, and and like what, how big of an influence was she in your life? Um, quite strict when we were growing up. Never allowed to swear. <laughs> she wasn't <laughs> religious. Um, she she might, you know, and you you might relate to this, and you may not. Uh, some of your listeners might. But growing up in the community like I did, which was um, an Aboriginal mission. Um, family was wasn't just your blood. You know, you you had some of your 
some of your my brothers and sisters were my cousins. Um, and and not just my first, but my second cousin, third cousin. You know, they they were my brothers and they were my sisters. And my uncles weren't necessarily my mother's brothers or my mother's sisters, my aunties and uncles. They're the eldest. We were taught that we had to treat them with the respect of their uncles. Um, um, and uh, I knew that mum told us, you know, if you go down the, down the street, which was, you know, down away from where we used to stay with our nan and pop, um, she'd say, be careful, no messing up down there because there's a lot of people watching what you kids do. And if you get into trouble or you misbehave, they will tell me or I've told them, given them permission to smack you on the backside. So that, and so all of a sudden you knew you couldn't mess up, you weren't allowed to. There was a community that looked after your well-being. Um, and just on dark, if I was walking home, one of the aunties, you could smell home cooking. Mm. You can smell things like Johnny Cakes or Dampers cooking, which is uh, bread that we would cook, um, that we'd make ourselves. And you could smell it and they'd say, who's that there walking? You know, no street lights, but I'd walk along the road, who's that there? And I'd sing out, oh, it's me, Auntie, and I'd give her my name. She said, you had a feed, boy? And I said, uh, uh, no, Aunt. She said, well, you can come here, boy, have a feed. But you have a feed, you get straight home. Your mother be worried about you. I said, no, I don't keep walking because she's singing out to me now. She said, well, that's good. Get along there. You said, don't you leave it till dark. Get up, you know. So people looked after. And they're fought in memories. Those old people, and they were, those old girls used to speak the language, the lingo. Mm. On, and, 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 and but the particular tribe was uh, Nyampa people. They would speak their, their, their lingua. And our classrooms wasn't in a classroom. It was out on the riverbank. They used to go out fishing. And while they were out fishing, the old girls would, you know, throw their line in, put a worm on the line or a, uh, this thing what we call a shrimp from out of the river, put it on the line and throw it in. And, you know, they'd be sitting and talking in their language. And back in 73... 74 was the last time a mission, white mission manager was in charge of the mission. Mm. And they expected you to live under their rules, under the government rules, not to practice your culture, not to speak your language. You had to do it. If you did it, they would threaten the grandparents and the parents with removal of the children. And even well after the white mission manager left, my grandmother was always fearful that the that white fellow was watching us. I said, mm. Nan, he's gone. No, he's there watching. You've got to be careful of these fellows. You know, so um, I, I, I was fortunate enough that we grew up in that sort of an era, that, that environment where people looked after. I've got to say it's different today so that um, pedagogy, uh, environment that we grew up in isn't around because of the systems. They want you to get out and get on your own. They want you to move away. And people try to do things 
to better their own life. And usually, not always, but usually sometimes it, it, it actually works counterproductive for the families because they don't have that family network that they can rely on. They're on their own and they're struggling, and they're struggling big time. Mm. Um, and that's sad. It, it, it's extremely sad to see that happening. Um, but, you know, the systems that were around in the old days, that's changed. But what's also changed is our people, your mob, uh, Indigenous peoples around the world have become smarter. They've become more knowledgeable about things like legislation. And legislation, as you know, is law. And it's those laws that impact on us. And those people then can break it down and understand it. But then throw it back at governments, whether it's in ours, it's, we've got three tiers of government. You've got the federal government, which is the Australian government. Then we've got states or territories. And then under that, we've got what we call local governments. Mm -hmm. So, and they all have their own pieces of legislation. And you've got to understand how they operate. And, 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 you know, some people don't want to understand that. But if you don't, then they create a narrative for you that they portray to the broader public. And the broader public would, oh, well, we're not going to believe the Aboriginal people. We believe the government. They, they, they can't be telling the truth. But, you know, their narrative sometimes is a long way from the truth. And so to be able to understand legislation, understand the power of the spoken word, the white man's spoken word, um, it means that you can then start to create your own narrative, mm. which is uh, 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 much closer to the truth. You know, like uh, every uh, Aboriginal is a, an alcoholic. Every Aboriginal is a lazy, no good, uh, doesn't want to work. Um, and so people believe them. Um, they have concepts, you know, and, you know that um, uh, massacres and and and, and other um, horrible histories that took place in this country. They believe that they never happened, mm -hmm. uh, but they did. And people are now warming to them. They want to learn about it. But it's it's also about us understanding what are our rights. Um, in relation to uh, interaction with law, because it, you know very well in your part of the world, Indigenous people in, in this country anyway, Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islanders, are highly disproportionate when it comes to interaction with the uh, justice system, whether it's juvenile justice or whether it's, um, you know, uh, adult um Jail system for men and for women, um, mm. and 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 again, you know, uh, trying to bring about uh, solutions for them, although they're still having, you know, after thirty years of having the first royal um, commission into black deaths in custody, there still are Aboriginal people dying in custody today. How mm. is that still allowed to happen? Well, after the facts, it's because if we don't make things happen as an Aboriginal people, 
then we've, if we're not in the system to make it different, then nothing's going to change. And so we've got Aboriginal people that are now becoming politicians um, in their own right. Um, I guess the argument could be that if you're a part of a, a particular political party, then you become a part of that machine. Hmm. That machine may not necessarily want you to go with a, diff, a, a particular line. They might want you to toe the party line, so to speak. And that's happened. We've seen that happen where people with um, um, good agendas previously go in there and they become muzzled. Mm -hmm. um, no longer that, uh, like one guy was a, a musician saying for uh, Aboriginal rights and um, things around um, climate change and, and, you know, protecting Mother Nature. When he got involved in a particular political party, he became Muslim. Mm. You know, we had one mention about uh, protecting uh, the environment coming out of him. And he got sick of it, um, came out. People got very disillusioned about him. Um, and now he's back doing what he did before, probably more comfortable. But, yeah, so, um, and, and you know, in, in, in laying in that system about um, the UN uh, knowing things and something as, as simple but yet very important as uh, that process and it, it gets used a, a hell of a lot over there when people are making the interventions, but free, prior and informed consent. Mm-hmm. Man, you don't know how how valuable that has become when Aboriginal people uh, in this country now are putting in uh, any submissions to government reports. Um, they're putting in when they're engaging with Aboriginal people that they must adopt free, prior and informed consent mm -hmm. of Aboriginal people. Right. So, you know, there's one valuable lesson that has come out of it. Least not of all using some of those um, uh, uh, the uh, mechanisms under the UN drip. Um, you know, you know the right to practice your culture, the rights to, you know, basic human rights, and and all of those things is, that are down there. They become mm -hmm. very useful. Yeah. Um. um uh, in, in in your everyday practice, you know, if you apply it into your organization and then you then have to then apply it on a regular basis um, so you know that question about it the UN doesn't offer much I think it, it has um, and it, it will continue to do that well well after we're six feet under my brother when we mm -hmm. go and join our ancestors over the other side you know yeah but uh, we can say that we've managed to pass from the, the torch or the baton to the next group who can then take it forward and with a fire in their belly and but hope let's let's hope that we're a long way from doing that yet, but <laughs> yeah. And and I think that um that that like I like you talked about is that that the UN is is an opportunity um but to learn about your rights and to, to, to be more familiar with those mechanisms. Um, but it is, you should not, you should use the system, not become part of it. Um, 
And I think that is what you, you keep an eye, keep your eye on the ball, on, on the goal and see the UN as a mechanism or a, a vehicle to get to that goal. Um, and I think that is uh, something that a lot of people um, uh, should keep in mind. Um, and it's hard because like once it, 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 it is also like a black hole, like it, it, it can suck you in and you, you'll, you'll never come out of it. Um, and by that, I mean, is that like, once you get into that mill, it, it just keep on grinding and you become, you, you, you go with it. And I think that we all should, um, yeah, just keep in mind, be, yeah, be intentional with the, with, with, with the, with your use of it. And so for example, like, and you mentioned free prior and informed consent, that is, uh, a super valuable thing that the UN um, helps um, establish um, that you can use on the ground, you know, and, and that, that you yep. can, that you can, um, to say very black and white, um, you can, you can slap around the, 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 the government with like, Hey, um, before you do this, free power from consent. And we're not talking about free prior informed consideration. We're talking about consent. Is that, yes. that we, we have, we have we have the right, and it all derives it stems from sovereignty because we used to be so, sovereign peoples, self-determining people. We still are. Sorry, we still are. And so the only the only thing that we ask is that we is to give you is to have our rights that we sh should have had all along. On a side note to that, uh, or not a side note, but an important note to that is also like. Um, which is a little bit of my philosophy around it is with right comes a responsibility. Absolutely. Um, like to hear your thoughts about it. For the way that I see it is that with a right comes the responsibility to claim it and not just to ask for it. Cause and like, that's what a lot of people do. Like they ask for their rights. Like I, I will be the last person to ask for self-determination. Um, Self-determination is something that you have to claim in, in, in the many ways and shapes and forms that you can do. Like, for example, you know, in you engaging or your you mob engaging in viticulture, viticulture is, um, in my view, also a form of self-determination in many more ways than one. Um, mm -hmm. It's economic, financial self-determination, cultural, cultural self-determination. Um, so it is... Yeah, claiming it. And I think that is, and I'd love to see that more um, in, in, uh, in, with in, in the indigenous peoples. Like, yes, we have our rights under the declaration. However, that's only the beginning of it. You know, you cannot cook and eat the declaration. You know, that this just, it's, it's just a piece of paper um, if you just leave it um, at that. But you have to like, yeah, you, have to, you have to breathe life into it use it and and which is that responsibility otherwise like people that have gone before us in establishing those rights or, or establishing the, the declaration or human rights in general um i don't want that to be i don't want that to be in vain um and i think the best way to do for us to honor their that they made sacrifices 
they've made a lot of sacrifices <laughs> to get to that point. Um, like I, I only heard a small part of the stories, um, but like people had to scrape together money, um, like because they had their jobs, families, and everything else, just to be able and their community work as well. So on top of that, you had this whole layer of drafting the decoration um, in in those in, the, in those in the eighties and the nineties. Um, huge sacrifices that they have made. Um, so what we, so, sorry, yeah, they have made sacrifices. Yourself, you have made, made sacrifices in more ways than one. And I think it is for people like myself and, 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 and younger people and new people that go into the movement, whether it is in Australia, Pacific or indigenous peoples at large, um, the only way that we can honor your sacrifices and the, those of have gone have, that have gone before us is by continuing to work and breathing life into what they have what, what, what you have walking down a path that you've you, you've paved no not that path that you paved sorry no 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 now I'm trying to sound like Obama um, but yeah you, you are right you're on the right path you you you. You are paid, uh, and one of my favourite quotes is, um, uh, is choose not to, to walk down the, the well-trodden path. Instead, mm. go down a path where, where no one's been so that others can follow. Mm. And um, so what we've done is, um, and, and, and what that means is, you know, just because something is new and it's different and maybe um, uh, uh, unfamiliar to you, doesn't mean that you you should not go down that particular area, and and, and just like we did with the the grapes. I mean, one of the things um, uh, getting involved with viticulture that stopped us was they said, "Why not have a go at it?" We said, "Well, blackfellas don't do that sort of stuff." And they said, "What?" He said, "Yeah, blackfellas don't make wine or grow grapes and make wine and that stuff." And they said. Are you fair income? We said, yes, we're fair income. Get us another program. And he came back and he said, listen, fellas, it's either viticulture or it's nothing. And so we accepted it. But then we made it something into uh, that, that fit us, mm. not the other way around. We didn't conform to what it was that they wanted to do. If it, what, if it didn't suit us, we didn't get involved. If, it didn't, if we didn't model it to suit the needs and... You know, um, uh, an organisation, no matter how big or how small, each of them have got their own constitutions and their, their, their own, own um, uh, uh, structures that they've got to work with. But they're each a vehicle, and each of those vehicles requires someone to drive them. And in the case of an organisation, whether it's a, a board or a committee, which would, would probably more than likely have a chairperson uh, that sits at the front of the, at the head of them. They're the ones that have to be the drivers. Mm. So the vehicle is that thing called the the organisation, whether it's a a, a a a company or just a community based one. Uh, where you take it is really up to the people that are the drivers. Mm up to what the community really wants. If the community says, well, this is where we want to go, 
can you take us there? And then they've got to have the belief, the uh, I guess the um, um, uh, the resources to to allow them to get there um, mm-hmm. in the first place. Because you don't have the resources, well, it's not going to go very far. But it's just as simple, simplistic as that. And I, um, and again, I use that to people that say, you know, it's just a vehicle. Don't get afraid of it. Don't get scared of it. Um, yes, it comes with the requirements. It comes with responsibilities, and some of those responsible responsibilities are huge. Mm. But your your you're only responsible back to your own community. So if you stuff up, then you're impacting or you're hurting your own people. So just be mindful of that. Um, and, you know, and again, uh, uh, you along the way, people begin uh, become very complacent in, in how they go about doing things. They take their eye off the ball and it falls over. But thankfully, you know, just as you're likely to fall over, um, you can get back up again. Yeah. Um, dust yourself off and have another crack. And it gives someone else an opportunity, a fresh start, so to speak. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've, I've seen non-Aboriginal people, uh, white fellows, jump through... M- Less hoops than what we've had to jump through. And sometimes we place a lot of expectations on our on ourselves for good reasons. But we, we sometimes our own uh, accountability to ourselves, to our, uh, our, our communities, our people, becomes greater. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it, it can um, uh, chew up a lot of people. Um, Make them want to walk away from the system, and that happens. Uh, that's a form of natural attrition. Uh, as much as you, you know, some of them are really good people, but mm. um, so there is that accountability and your responsibility is first and foremost, uh, I guess, to yourself and your family, to your community, um, because uh, that's why you do it in the first place. Um, you're going to make mistakes and people will expect that. But if you made a mistake because you were having a go, so be it. Yeah. Uh, again, as long as you learn the lesson from it, there's enough people around to teach you stuff. And, you know, the, the, the internet nowadays is full of useful information that you can get access to. I mean, 2000, 2007, when I first became a counsellor, on New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council. That's when I first learned how to text. I didn't know how to text before then. Mm. So the world has sharpened up and it's moved significantly since then. My grandkids are already learning how to use a phone. My great-grandkids, the littler ones, there's one she's about, uh, I think she's two years old, she's already knows how to handle a phone better than most Elderly people, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, our, our kids are uh, shifting into that world. They they're grasping hold of um, new technologies. We've got to make sure that we remain relevant um, mm. and make sure that we bring the, the the elders along with us. 
maybe they don't want to learn all of that new technology that we don't leave them behind in all of that process. Right. Yeah, it's um, why we're talking one because um, I love quotes uh, and I I'm, I try to curate quotes and one of my favorite ones um, I think it's from an American psychologist I believe is that I I always keep in mind um, when things are not going the way that you wanted to go to go or you have a bold idea um, but you're too afraid to execute on it. Um, and it can, can, can be about on, on various reasons, reasons, um, inexperienced, or it's just yourself, um, that you need a big group or, or you need an entire community or a, a mass of people. And, and whenever I start feeling that little bit, that, that, that chip on my shoulder starts to appear, um, trying to doubt myself. Um, I remind myself of this quote, um, is that, um, um, never doubt that a small group of committed people can change the world. Yep. Because it's ever, it'll, that's the only thing that I, that I have has. You know, it, it's, it always starts with a small group of committed people. Yep. And that is a um, such a, a, a quote in a way that I, I keep using it and I try to remind people of it through um, my own experiences of like, all right, this is this is we were the 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 um the little mouse that 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 had had courage and we had to fight this eight hundred pound gorilla, and this 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 is what we did. This is what we had to do, and yeah. So so in a way that so that quote popped into my mind uh, when you when you were talking as as that is important is um yeah uh, yeah it, it's. Some people say the quote, uh, uh, referencing a quote, lacks imagination on your on yourself. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think it, I think it actually highlights what you've actually already done, mm. and it may just articulate it or, or remind you of it. Yeah, I, I, I've got quite a, a number of quotes that I, and every time I look at it, I, I look at it and I say. You know, that's me. That's mm. that's me in a nutshell. And one of my other favourite quotes is, and I say this to, to people quite often, um, uh, is your current circumstances need not determine where you finish. It mm. merely says where you start. Right. And when I went to that last community that I worked with, they said, we're stuffed. I said, let me give you a, a, a I'll, I'll give you a quote. And I said to him, your current circumstances need not tell you, not need not uh, determine where you finish. It merely says where you start. And I said, mm. um, I think I understand. I said, well, this is your starting point. It isn't the end. This is not the end of you. It's merely where you now, you're fresh start. And I said, oh. Right on. I said, every time, I said, you're going to fall over. We do fall over. And we fall over because some of the people that were there either walk away um, and that knowledge and that expertise walks out with them. Retention of knowledge and expertise is usually one of the very 
uh, one of the things that we we haven't been able to capture and retain all that well because mm. it it lives within individuals and people walk out. How we do that, and I mean, now we start to put it on file, record them, do stuff like what you're doing now. This mm. is recording of, of this we need to be doing that with our elders people have, that have trodden the path before us that are still there that are still their mind is as sharp as anything we need to record them and uh, you know so that we know what what led them down the path the the the, the issues they had to face the battles that they've had to overcome um the obstacles that people threw constantly you know and and so they might have had to go under an obstacle or around an obstacle, go over it, or they might have had to smash right through it. We need to know about all of those things and so you can work out this is why we're at a point now. Um, and I remember going to a funeral um, of a, uh, going back about five, six years now, of a, an elder, um, and they talked about, this saying in, in, in land rights um, in, in Australia, New South Wales anyway, and the, the saying is always was, always will be. And I had no idea where that come from. I just thought it was, but it was an elder from out west that actually came up with that saying. Mm. And so people knew who that elder was. People knew relatives of that particular elder. So it wasn't just someone from overseas or elsewhere that said that. And it was, always was and always will be, it, it is a reference to Aboriginal land. Mm. Always was Aboriginal land, always will be Aboriginal land. And it's the very thing that people, uh, is a part of their, their being uh, from a cultural perspective, um, from that uh, perspective of a sovereign peoples, uh, that they've never given up the sovereignty, never ceded it, uh, and they still very, you know, they're a very passionate and vocal people about, you know, their sovereignty rights here in Australia. The, you would have heard of the, the Uluru Statement. Mm, um, yeah. Actually, a part of that Uluru Statement up in, uh, at Uluru, and, and I can remember go, we, we each had to break into our, little breakout sessions and I was sitting in there and there were people with worlds of experience, lots of years of ex experience and there were young ones there that are going, Aboriginal uh, uh, men and women that were going through learning to become lawyers and qualified. Man, they, you know, and I just said, well, our future is secure. But they were, they're just a tip of the iceberg. But they... Those older elders that were in the room were teaching these young, younger ones about how this come about and how that come about and, and, you know, various things. And they started to, you know, and it gave them context to when they stand up, they, they, they know where, where a lot of that stuff. And when we got in and they put that statement up, although I was in the one breakout group all the time, Everything that we said in that breakout group was captured in that statement. Mm. And 
what they put in there, this is a gift to Australia. So the group weren't saying, give us this and give us that, although that'll be a part of it. But it was about saying, this is a gift from the uh, Indigenous people, the uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people of Australia, mm. from whatever nation they're from to the rest of Australia, to join with them. Right. And that was powerful. It was so, uh, I mean, I stood there and I think, oh, my goodness. Um, and, and it came about and it captured all of those things. So, you know, um, in terms of that responsibility, you said um, there it was there and they've continued that fight. They're now trying to push the government, get the government, Australian government, to commit to a voice to parliament, which is one that cannot be uh, taken away simply because a particular political party is no longer in in play. Mm-hmm. Usually once they go, a program can be easily thrown out the door. It was bipartisan. It needs that bipartisan. It's still an argument. Many people are now signing up to be a part of that Uluru statement. So, yeah, you know, um, uh, there was a song in Australia here, an Aboriginal man by the name of Kev Carmody came up with a song called From Little Things, Big Things Grow. Mm. And, you know, there was um, uh, something. But it, even though it's not word by word for word from the UN drip or, or parts of those uh, mechanisms within the UN drip, you can see it is sprinkled over that um, um, Uluru statement, mm. Uluru statement of the heart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, brother, can I just say one thing? Um, when it comes to 8 o'clock, because it is now, yeah, uh, uh, almost 12 minutes to nine, uh, 8, sorry, 8 p.m. at night, um, can we... Uh, Wrap it up. Uh, Comes at eight o'clock if that's all right. Yeah, that's okay with me. Um, that it's, it is like I said, it is not an interview. It's just a conversation. So like whenever you feel like, all right, I'm 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 getting tired because you have you had a whole day already. Um, so um, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's fine with me. Um, is there anything that you'd like to um, yeah, conclude with or yeah, maybe can I yeah. Can I ask you some questions? Sure, go ahead. What was the fire in your belly that got you to head down the path that you've to lead you to where you are now? Um, the fire in my my, my belly was the um, following my mum. She was, yep. she, she went down the, the UN path when she was 17 at a very young age. Um, so at first, when I was a, like a small kid, I, uh, she took me with her, um, did not even compute what was happening. And then when I was a teenage, teenager, um, it started to compute and it all started to make sense. Um, what being indigenous means, what we want to do what we want to want to achieve as indigenous peoples and 
I it, it was a light bulb moment that like that that went off in my head, and my and the, the many lessons that my mom uh, um, gave me. The first lesson that, that she gave me was one is you're not a diplomat, you're a freedom fighter. Um, okay. Meaning, just roll up your sleeves, spit on your hands, and go for it. Go go walk the walk, and don't just um, talk about it. Um, that was one of the many lessons uh, that she gave. And it all shaped me in a way to the vision that she had. It is not necessarily like the, the path that she created, but the vision um, that mm-hmm. was so um, new, still is new, oh, in, innovative in a way that um, she had parts of it. And, and the fire in my belly is, is to continue where she could not continue. And to see to see it, because I really believe in that vision. Is is that that our indigenous nation of Maluku indigenous peoples, um, we used to be independent uh, to re- not only to regain our independence, but also to um, do it on the foundation of our indigenous heritage, and to be a uh, yeah a strong. For, no, part of a strong force of indigenous peoples all around the world. Um, and be that, uh, like stuff, like, be very innovative and new in it is um, like mutual recognition is, is what, what people have been talking about. Um, creating this network of indigenous, indigenous peoples, um, helping one another and, and those kind of things. So that's, um, so she gave me the principles, the, a, a clean, palette all right and these are colors you paint what you want to do what, what, what you want to see and, I love that. and, then, and i think that is um that's because i i used i wanted to be an architect before i i went into 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 law school i went, i was i was laser focused on beginning, becoming an architect so in retrospect if i look back to it um everything that i did before uh, um, has has small aspects of it. Architect meaning you love you. I love to create something from something out of nothing. Um, I I also wanted to be a lifeguard for some reason, partly because I watched too many episodes of Baywatch. I believe um, <laughs> is that I uh, the, the Huff was good. The Huff, uh, well, not not just the Huff to be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just, just want to protect people, and and I loved a series like MacGyver, because um, you know it's, it's trying to be resourceful. So all these things actually, it all adds like in retrospect, when looking back to it, um, it's it's you already like your childhood already gives you hints of what you'll become or or what your strengths are, your core core strengths are, and once you realize that it's um like that that that's a part of you that that, that that's uh, and that you can find something that you'll absolutely love to do and you can bring in your resourcefulness and, and trying to and loving to make something out of nothing into that into what you love to do it, it just keeps the fire going it keeps me going and it's 
so in it's not just a fire in my belly but it's like it's like a supernova um in a way that is like just literally i get up in the morning and i go to sleep every and every every second in between i think about opportunities and ideas to help in, in indigenous peoples so that that is the, the fire in my my in my belly that you know listening to you talk reminds me of me mm. a, 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 a fair bit although my mum wasn't an activist or she she wasn't someone who, who fought for rights she she actually fought to give me and my brother and sister um brothers and sister a decent life um and and, and did it um with you know respect and um uh, and stuff the question I want to ask you now, do mm. you believe that the path that you have now been down for a while was chosen for you? I mean, not by your mother. It, I, I can clearly see it now. I haven't observed you at the UN. Um, and, and now knowing how you've gone down that path, do you believe that that path that you've been fighting for for your people for you know it was chosen for you it's, it's yeah. destiny sort of path i think it 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 was um there for me to find um it was already created and um yeah, and, and that I it, it it's it was a process for me to get to that path, to get down that path. Because and maybe ancestral, I like to call it ancestral navigation. That yeah. um they 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 helped me they helped me find it. Um that is was definitely part of destiny for me to do what I do. And and what and more importantly, why I do what I do. So yeah. Yeah, well it's it, it's interesting. I that's uh, um, interesting that you wanted to go down that path of being a, an architect. Uh, you know, the similarities, I guess, when we were doing that carpentry course, a part of it was about being able to do drawings. Learn mm, yeah. How to yeah, do all of our drawings from our gables or, you know, um, uh, to our bed's mouth to, um, you know, putting in um, the wall frames doing all we had to learn how to do that stuff and be marked against it but um yeah it's it's funny that you get to that point but there's a path already chosen mm -hmm. we just have to accept that that is something that we a path of which we we want to go down yeah um and and, and like i said i've i'm just i've been enriched so much so so by the people that i've come into contact with i mean i've always been a very humble person uh, you know my my trophies don't sit on on a mantelpiece i don't particularly want them any trophies that i have they sit here hmm. um, because they're, they're small achievements and and again, the successes that we've had and, and I shared with others, they sit here. 
and I'll, I'll take them with me in life's journeys also sit here. I've been fortunate enough to capture some of those with the photography that um, I've been um, taken uh, from time to time. Um, some from Geneva, some from uh, New York. And the last visit was in 2019. We actually went out and visited a reservation out at Montana. Mm. And we looked at um, the uh, Salish Kootenai College that they have out there and how they designed that college purely because in 83 or thereabouts, when they first started it, or leading up to 83, there was a fear that the language wasn't spoken. No one was starting to practice, no one was practicing, the younger ones that is, weren't practicing their culture. You know, things like uh, tanning leathers and going out and collecting their berries. Man, I tasted huckleberry jam. Mm. And I thought huckleberry was only linked to that uh, cartoon dog, Huckleberry, huckleberry Hound. Oh, Huckleberry Hound. Yeah. Oh, I thought oh, Huckleberry Finn. Do you remember <laughs> that? Uh, well, huckleberry Finn was another thing. But he, there we were, and we couldn't. We were blown away with snow-capped mountains. My goodness, where I come from, um, this place will get a bit of snow in Orange, but where I live out west, two hours out west, it's just flat as a tap. Um, and, you know, we get extremes, but nothing to the temperatures that you get there. So it's amazing that once you, uh, once I became comfortable in going down the path of accepting the, the, that invitation from my two aunties and then my ex-partner's um, grandmother to look after the community, Going down that path, it became a journey rather than a destination, mm. and one that I certainly I enjoy um, with a lot of lot of fond memories. But you know, the journey isn't over. Um, I want to keep learning if if uh, that's possible, and you know, and along the way, I want young people to inspire me as much as I might be able to impart some of my knowledge and wisdom. I want the young ones to also inspire me, at least not of all my grandchildren. And I, they do. They, um, they inspire me just by being where they are right? Um, and who they are. And, um, and that's my nieces and nephews and other people as well. My colleagues that I work with here, I'm truly inspired by them. Um, um, and, and then they're difficult because each person we come into contact, we don't know what paths they've and, and issues they faced in their life, do we? We just come into contact, and so if you treat them with empathy and respect and uh, a, a, a bit of graciousness, and, um, yeah, yeah, no. hopefully they'll enjoy it. Um, Appreciate your time, well, my brother. Okay. It is. Um, yeah. Look, can I say thank you for um, for the person that you always was at the UN? Um, very, uh, very much a, 
um, uh, uh, a respected individual, although, you know, um, and, and the same with me. I, I, I put a few people's noses out of joint because we, we might have challenged them, not argumentative, but their perception of what should or shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you was always a friend, very respectful, certainly uh, uh, showed a lot of empathy towards your fellow Indigenous peoples in, within the Pacific but other parts of the region. You were always gracious enough to be involved with the youth delegations when you used to be involved and always willing to offer your support to a lot of other um, delegates that, that used to come to that may not have had the knowledge or resources to do things and you helped um, um, be that uh, that individual um, person that they can support and lean on, uh, be uh, gain support and lean on. And your knowledge, intimate knowledge of that biggest bureaucratic system in the world, which is the UN, um, helped guide them through all of that um, and get over, you know, difficulties uh, of being there. But you are. Uh, you were meant to do what you're doing, brother. Uh, I've seen it. You're good at what you do, despite um, others may have an, a, a, an opinion otherwise. I think you are. And other people, there's a lot of other people that would agree with that um, that sentiment, that, um, uh, that you are good at what you do. You are a diplomat, and that mightn't be something that you want to be called, but... Your passion certainly shows, and your mother um, would be very proud of you. Appreciate it. Um, Thank you so much. And, and I'm proud to have known you, to have had uh, the the privilege of calling you a friend. You know. Um, so thank you. I've enjoyed this. This is um, good uh, reflection, um, but also you know the the journey hasn't finish yet. We've got plenty of uh, things to do in our moving forward. So 100%. thank you. Yeah, thank you. And um, yeah, for um, thank you for being you, the work that you, you did, have done, and continue to do. And by yes. all means, um, um, door remains open um, if you want to jump on, on a podcast or a chat or whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I love listen to you um and and um, and yeah so um it is a uh, um what else, what else can i say it is is a privilege to have worked with you and i i hope to learn more far from you uh, in the, in the future if albeit yeah. outside of the un um and and you know um, there you go it doesn't have to be at the un but you can still carry on that legacy that we've gained from there because i think the conversation just keeps that fire going. So mm. um, I, I, I'm happy to accept any invitation that you might want to be a part of it, to link in. Um, and if what I've got can be of use, I'm more than happy to be able to um, sit in it. But, you know, I still want to learn. So I would like to listen to other people and, again, allow them to inspire me and keep keep that fire burning in my belly. Oh, it, it, I'll... I'm sure it will keep it keep burning. Um, 
Yeah, Prick, thank you so much. I know it's late over over there in in Australia, so um, I'll, I'll let you go off there now to 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 you and use. So um, thank you so much for 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 the time, and um, yeah, I have a uh, always hard to end uh, these conversations. So let, let's let's say just see you later. Maybe, maybe that that's better. Yeah. way to do it. What I'll say to you is a, a, a greeting or a. Um, uh, 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 what would you say, um, you know, a farewell mm. in my grandmother's language, which is Yamagara Bija. And Yamagara is a greeting, a hello or goodbye. And the Bija means friend. So Yamagara Bija. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the episode. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast. It would mean the world to me um, if you did that. Have a great day. <laughs>